who's ready to get in the Word this morning? Anybody? Yes. Yes. I'm going to warn you a little bit today. Um, We're starting a new series. It's called Elementary. I think I got some slides up there for it. Um, Come on, Gabe. Get on it. (laughs) That's my son, by the way. (laughs) It's my son. Um, We're going to start a new series of Elementary, and I I think it's super important that we get back down to some foundational teaching, right? And, and don't and hear me on this, because I'm not against, like, I love good, great, like, motivation from biblical truth, and I love, like, really great, like, sermons that are, that are motivate. You walk out and you feel like, man, I just want to serve you. Like, I love that. But it's okay just to, let's get down to sometimes the nitty-gritty of the truth, right? And I think that's important because we're getting away from that in, in, in the church, being pre- preaching that in the church these days, right? And so I, in Hebrews chapter 6, if you want to begin to turn there, Paul lays out six, really seven, because one of them's plural, and we're going to get to that, um, six to seven foundational truths. He's like, listen, these are the things that are important, right? Um, so I thought as the kids are going back to school, and as, as, as they're going to elementary school, we would go back to some foundational truths, some elementary principles, right? Some, some truth that is, that is just important. And we find this in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. Let me, let me read it to you. Verse 1 says this. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Now, so what he's saying here is this is not the deep doctrine. This isn't the like the stuff you have to spend hours in the Bible to discover, right? This is the elementary doctrine of Christ. These are the simple things. That, that if you can't go on to maturity in Jesus, if you, this is not a part of your life, right? This is like the, lear, being in kindergarten, learning the alphabet, learning to count to 10. These things are the elementary doctrines of of Christ. So you have to have them in your life and you have to understand them to, to, to go on to maturity, right? So he says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again. So these are the things, a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of instruction about washings. Now we're gonna we're gonna preach this in a few weeks. This is probably the the tra- the one one of two or three times that I've like the ESV gets this translation wrong. This is this is kind of the wrong translation, but we'll get there. The laying on of hands, the resurrection of dead of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permits. So he lists six things. One is plural foundational elementary principles of Christ. This morning, we're going to talk about repentance from dead works. Now, I think that it's, that it's an important as believers to understand repentance from dead works because it, it seems like there's this war in the church right now on repentance. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about repentance. Nobody, nobody wants to, to mention it. It seems like that in, in Ameri- the American church for a long time, we've had this concept. Hey, I'm going to preach Jesus. I'm going to invite you to come up. You can say the sinner's prayer, 
you're saved, now go on your way. Right? That has kind of been our mentality in the American church for, for quite a while. And guys, I've got to tell you, we're not preaching the gospel. We're not preaching the whole gospel, the whole truth. I was recently listening to a pastor, um, and, he, and he was preaching, and he says this. He said, he said I, I've been in ministry for 11 years full-time as the pastor of this church. I have never one time preached on repentance. Right? No, not one time. And he said, and he gave, he gave this reason. He said, listen, the reason I've never preached on repentance is because I believe that when you meet Jesus, you want to repent. Now, I, I understand that to a certain degree. But he says, I have received, and he's a mega church pastor, I have received thousands of emails and I ha- from in the congregation and outside of the congregation of asking me to preach on, preach on repentance. I'm not going to do that. That's what he said. That's his words. That's what he said. Now, I find it disturbing that 11 years of ministry leading thousands of people in a church, he's never one time preached on repentance from dead works. That's scary, right? That's scary. He's a mega church pastor here in the Northwest. I listen to him every so often. Not a bad guy, but he's never preached on repentance because that's not what we're doing anymore. We're not talking about turning from your sins turning from those things, those dead works, the things that cause death, right? It's just not what the church is. So did, in the Bible, does it talk about repentance? Is that something that people should be preaching? Well, let's discover this. Let's let's turn to Acts chapter 12. We're going to go through a lot of scripture this morning, just so you know. And it's going to be a little more teachy than it is preachy. Is that okay? That's okay, right? We're going, to teach, we're going to teach a little more than preach this morning. That's okay. Um, Acts chapter 20 says this in verse 18. says this. You yourselves know how I lived among you. So this scripture is about Paul. He's writing about himself here in the New Testament. You the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. So he's saying, I did not cower away. I preached, I preached the gospel. Like I'm not ashamed of anything I said. Testifying both to Jew and Greek and to Greeks. So both Jews and Greeks, that's important, of repentance towards God and of faith. In our Lord Jesus Christ. Skip down to verse 26. Therefore I testify to to you this day. I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you. The whole counsel of God. He's saying in verse 26. He preached the entire counsel of God. Repentance and faith. Right? The whole counsel of God. And I want you to know that we are going to one day be required for our words. Did we preach repentance? And pastors even more so than everybody else. We understand from biblical concepts that leaders are going to be judged for what they say, right? Paul's saying, I wasn't ashamed. I preached the whole truth. I'm innocent. I preached repentance and I preached faith. Maybe that was just Paul, right? Maybe that was just Paul's calling. Maybe, maybe it was just him, right? Well, let's see. So we go to Acts chapter 2. 
And we all love Acts chapter 2, right? Because that's when the church starts. That's when the Holy Spirit falls. That's when, that's when the power comes to the church, right? That's when the church really starts. Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit falls. Paul, Peter starts preaching on the day of Pentecost. He's telling everybody what's going on. And then they asked a very clear question. In verse 37, they say this. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of, of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The very first word out of Peter's mouth is repent. When the church starts, the day that it begins, the first thing Peter tells people, repent. Repent. It's the very first thing. It's not faith. It's not baptism. Those things are all important. It is repent. Repent. It's important. So we have Peter. We have Paul. And they both preached repentance from dead works. What about Jesus? Because, man, we love to quote Jesus, don't we? Right? We love to the forgive your enemies, turn the other cheeks. Do not judge. Right? We love to quote that. How many of us have ever been confronted with our sin before? And our first words are, don't judge me. You got your own sin. Jesus said it. Don't you judge me. Right? We, come on. We, let's be honest. Right? We love those Jesus quotes. Let's go to Mark chapter 1, verse 14. It says this, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. So he's proclaiming the gospel of God. This is Jesus. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The very first word he says is repent and then believe. Right? The very first thing. Jesus is preaching. Repent. But there's a war on the church about repentance. We're going to get there soon. And there's a lot of people that say that you can believe in Jesus and then go live your life however you feel like living. Whatever you want to do. The title of this message, the main point of this sermon is repentance is required. Repentance is required. If you're going to a church that refuses to repeat, preach on repentance, you're at the wrong church. If, if you're going to a church that says repentance is not necessary, you can do what you want, that's the wrong church for you to be at. Some, some people might think this is controversial, but it's biblical. And we're going to preach biblical truth. We're not going to shy away from this. Amen? We should get excited about that. I mean, I'm watching the news, guys. There's a day coming. I understand this fully. That that, could, that statement right there could be considered hate speech. I understand, but I'm never going to shy away from that. It's the truth. It's the truth. This morning, I want to look at a scripture that gives us a glimpse of Jesus' mercy and grace. It's one that we all love. It's John chapter 8. It's, uh, it's Jesus being absolutely 
merciful. It says this in John chapter 8, verse 1. Sorry, I'm kind of going through scriptures. I guess you're going to have to turn fast <laughs> if you're turning to a Bible here. It says this, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He came again to the temple, and all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. The scribes, the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placed her in the midst. Now, I always find it interesting. You notice there's no dude, right? What did the law say? If you go back and you look at the law, the law says bring them both, right? But there's no dude. That should be your first indication that, that this is not about them committing adultery. This is about them setting Jesus up. And, and I'm not going to dive into it. One day I might. But the Pharisees knew. They could see in Jesus' character they were, he was not going to allow them to kill this woman, right? He, they knew this. It was all a setup. It was all a setup. They were, trying to, they were trying to get him on a point of the law. They didn't understand who wrote it. Verse 4. They said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? That's the setup, right? This they said to test him, and they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote on his with excuse me, with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let who him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Now there's no way to know exactly what Jesus wrote on the ground. However, there's some clues, I think. The fact that they left one by one, right? Why would they leave one by one? He was writing their sin. He was writing their sin. Because those Pharisees know in that moment, I don't want to get called out on this. And he could do it. Right? So they're leaving one by one. See, see this is the, the Jesus that we love, right? This is the Jesus that we're like, hey, get them, Jesus. They want to accuse somebody else? Then, then go get them, right? This is the Jesus that we all love to quote, like, hey, take the plank out of your own eye before you, before you can worry about me, right? This is the Jesus of, hey, hey, listen, do not judge me. You have your own sin. We all love that, right? He's doing the one thing that he can do, and that's call out their personal sin that they have. So they have to go. Let's keep reading. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And he said, and she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. And we stop right there. Wonderful. Jesus is grace and is merciful, and she deserved death, and according to the law, she deserved death. And she's an adulterous woman, and she should be stoned right where she stands. And he says, neither do I condemn you, because he has the power to forgive her sins, your sins, and my sins. Right? And we love that. But we stop right there. We, we stop reading right there, because we don't like what he says afterwards. 
He says, go and from now on, sin no more. She's caught in the act of adultery and deserving of death, and Jesus can forgive sins. But then he says, go and sin no more. And this is what happens when we start thinking about this. Well, the Pharisees have sin. My parents have sin. My brother and sister, they sin. My friends sin. Maybe a little bit of sin isn't going to hurt me after all. Maybe a little bit is okay. And sometimes we get into that mentality, but Jesus says right here, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. And we have to understand that Jesus is saying, I forgive you, and I love you, and I'm merciful, but you got to repent. you got to change your ways. And repentance is a change of thinking. It's to go in a different direction. It's I'm going one way, and I stop what I'm doing, and I go a different way, right? And sometimes we get this confusion. We think that repentance is just feeling bad. Or we think repentance is changing for a little while. No, it's going in a completely different direction. That's what Jesus has called us to do. He's not calling you to to forgive sins. He's calling you to forgive sins and to walk in freedom from sins. That's what he's calling you to. And it's important because the church has completely stopped preaching that. I shouldn't say completely. There's some people out there not preaching that anymore. Live how you want. Do what you want. So this morning, I want to talk about three aspects of repentance. So three things that you can examine your heart. And 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 please hear me. We're going to get there. But nobody's perfect, right? We're constantly in a state of repentance, examining our hearts. But three ways to know, do I really have a repentant heart? Do I? And I think you can see this in in Jesus' and Peter's interactions with one another. Three things. The first one is found in Luke 22, verse 54. It says this. When they seized him, so we're talking about Jesus here. This is crucifixion time, right? And led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light, looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little little later, someone else saw him and said, You are also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, The rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, today you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Imagine the intensity of this moment, right? Not not just the fact that Jesus is God and Jesus is the Messiah and Peter just denied him. But Jesus is his friend. They've been together for three years, right? And in that moment when Peter is denying Jesus, the Lord looks at him and sees him. And Peter goes out and he weeps 
bitterly. Which is the first point of our repentant process. A broken heart. Repentance, the first part of repentance is having a broken heart. Peter's heart was broken over what he had done. He goes out and he weeps over his sin. There's this cry from our heart when we are repentant. And, and, and it's, Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Now, there's a false repentance, right? There's a please forgive me from the consequences. And then there's a please forgive me for what I've done. Now, just imagine, okay? Let's say that every single day I jump in the shower and I throw my dirty clothes onto the floor. Where I got, that's where I get the illustration from. <laughs> Thanks, Israel. <laughs> I was going to say this may or may not be true. It's true. <laughs> Thanks, Israel. So I, I, get out of sh- I, I get in the shower, I throw my dirty clothes on the floor, I get dressed, and I leave. And every single day, I look at my wife and Tracy, and I say, Trace, I'm so sorry. Should have picked him up. Right? And then I do it a second day, and a third day, and a fourth day, and over and over and over. Am I really sorry? I'm not, am I? I'm not. That's how repentance works. It's a cry that's inside of you that says, I'm going to change. I need to change. And it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we do change, that our actions are different. It's this cry inside of us that you truly feel wrong for the things that you have done. So the first part of repentance is a broken heart. Now, let's go after the resurrection, okay? So Jesus has been crucified. Jesus, is, Jesus has risen from the dead, buried, resurrected for the forgiveness of your sins. And I want you to know if, you were, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, if you repent from your sins and you believe in Jesus, you can be saved this morning. But as we're talking about after the resurrection, Jesus has risen in power. And in John 21, 15, Peter and, John are, Peter and Jesus are having breakfast together says this, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than, than all those guys? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Now, I'm almost certain. If the, put yourself in Peter's position right here. Okay? The last moments you saw Jesus alive, you were denying him, and he looked at you, and you were weeping bitterly. Now he's resurrected, and as grateful that you are as he's resurrected, you have to wonder, is Jesus going to address the situation? Is he going to condemn me? Is he going to tell me I'm no longer a disciple? If there had to have been a part of Peter that when he hears the words, Simon, son of John, Oh no, here it comes. Maybe the disciples don't even know what's going on in this this conversation. Maybe they have no idea. Maybe this is just me and Jesus talking. Then he says this, verse 16. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter, on the third time, was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? 
And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, I don't know if it was the first time or the third time that Peter realized what was happening here. But the, the, the point is, is that Peter was confessing, I was wrong. That's why I was asked three times. Point made, Jesus. I don't have to tell everybody else about it. I'm just going to talk me and you. What you did was wrong, right? And Peter's saying, absolutely. Which brings us to our second point. We confess when we've done wrong. We've confessed. Jesus is giving Peter the opportunity to make it right. To say, I'm wrong, Jesus. Should have never denied you. Should have never denied you. And this conversation between Peter and, and Jesus, there's probably a lot of tension, isn't there? Anybody ever have to admit that they were wrong and then there's some tension in the room? Right? We've all probably been there. But the point is that we confess our sins. Now, sometimes you got to be careful who you're going to confess to, right? Like, that's important. But we confess and we say, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done those things. And that's exactly the second step of the repentant process. Number one, my heart is broken. Number two, I'm going to admit that I was wrong. And I sinned. Peter's confessing that he's changed and he no longer wants to deny Jesus, but that he loves Jesus. Then as we keep reading in verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. Some of these verses can be a little confusing, but it cuts right to the point. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. He's telling Peter, you're going to have to die for me, buddy. Do you love me enough to die for me? Now, keep in mind, every situation is different. But Peter's saying, do you, Jesus is saying, do you, have a, do, you, do you love me enough that you will change for me? Walk in a different direction. Because the last time we were together, you denied me. You stopped following me. In fact, the only one that followed me was John, which he gets to in a minute. We're not going to go there today. But you stopped following after me. And Peter's heart was broken, and he confessed. And you know what Jesus does then? Don't tell me you love me. Show me you love me. Peter, you're going to have to start the church. Peter, you're going to have to feed my sheep. And then when you've, when, when you've done all those things, you're going to lay your life down for me. Do you love me? And that's what repentance is. Turning around and doing something completely different. Following after a different path. Peter, will you build my church? Will you, will you lay your life down for me? Do you really, really love me after denying me? And church, I want you to know that when it comes to salvation, repentance is required. Repentance is required. We have to be, we have to, we can't just love our sin. We can't, we can't just think, oh, Jesus will be okay with that. Repentance from sin is a requirement. Most of the time in the Bible, when repentance and faith are talked about, repentance comes first. Most of the time, most of the time in the Bible, when it talks about salvation, it references repentance. 
But I've told you that there seems to be this war going on in the church about repentance and people that, that don't want to repent. Has anybody heard of the Uncon Unconditional Conference? People are talking about it a lot now. It's coming up. It's, so it's being put on by North Point Church. Andy Stanley, you guys know Andy Stanley? Listen to a lot of Andy Stanley's sermons. I've, I've read a lot of his books, right? So he's the pastor of the church. His father was Charles Stanley. Anybody remember Charles? I did his daily devotional when I was in high school. It was, it was, a, it was a good devotional. He's passed away now by a few years. Well, North Point Church is going to hold what is called the Unconventional Conference. Or excuse me, not unconventional. Unconditional Conference. And the, the idea behind it is, is they're going to invite parents of LGBTQ kids to come in and talk to them. Or, and, and how do you talk to them? And, the, and it says on their website, from the quieter middle space. But it's anything but the quieter middle space. Anything but. Okay, that, I just want to read to you a couple of the speakers. This is the bios off of their own websites of a couple of the speakers that are going to be speaking at this conference. One is a guy by the name of Brian Netzel. I think I'm saying it right. Netzel. And on Brian's ministry website, he says the first two things he says about himself. He says this. One, Jesus is my hero. And two, I'm a gay man. That is on his own website. He's one of the main speakers. He says this on his website. Through a season of new conversations with God, I'm coming out knowing my peace as a gay Christian man. Crazy, right? The next one I want to tell you that's going to be speaking there is Justin Lee. Now, he's another speaker at this conference, and, and this is on his website. So I'm read, this is right on his website. It says this. For the last two dec decades, Justin Lee has been an influential Christian voice for the LGBTQ affirmation, best known for working across areas of theological disagreement to promote grace. There's that grace, right? No repentance, just grace and mutual understanding. He is the founder of the world's largest LGBTQ Christian advocacy organization, the author of two books, and an internationally known speaker on faith, sexuality, and dialogue. That's happening at North Point Church with Andy Stanley. And I'm grateful this week, the Assembly of God, Don Ross, Northwest Ministry Network leader, he addressed this conference as being anything but Christian. And I'm grateful for that. But guys, you got to understand, this is not like some small church in a little town. This isn't like some small church in a big town. In 2015 and through 2020, North Point Church was either the first or the second largest church in our country. In 2023, North Point is the 11th largest church. 23,000 people attend weekly at the church that's holding this conference. We are no longer preaching repentance from sin. We are saying, hey, you can believe in Jesus and go live and do whatever you want, and everything else is just hate speech. That's what we're doing. That is how the church is responding in these times. And it's a scary place to be. Now, I want to make sure, I, I want you to hear my heart on this. This is important to me. I want you to know this, okay? We are welcoming anybody into this church to come and be a part of it right? We are going to love them to no end. We're going to preach the truth. Amen. 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 We'll preach the truth. Amen. I want to be clear about this. 
You can be a Christian who is struggling with same-sex attraction. You cannot be a Christian and be an active homosexual. Now, that being said, let me point out another thing. You can be a Christian that is struggling and trying to walk through lust issues. You cannot be a Christian and be an active adulterer. It doesn't work that way. Jesus will always call you out on your sin and he will always call you to repent. That's the gospel. That is foundational gospel because repentance is required. Repentance is required. So this morning, I want to ask you, what, are, what do you need to repent of? The worship team wants to come forward. What do you need to repent of? Because we're always in this state, right? I don't know if you've been a Christian for 30, 40 years and maybe you, you got angry at your boss and you said you took it too far. There's a time of repentance for that, right? Maybe, maybe you just told that little white lie. And just so maybe you wouldn't get out of trouble. There's a time of repentance for that. Listen, statistics say there's a really high probability that somebody in this church is probably struggling with pornography. And if that's true, I want you to know, come and talk to me about it. If, if you're a lady, go talk to my wife about it. Let's talk about it. Let's walk through that together. We're not, we're not leaving. If, if you're in sin this morning, we're not saying go and do whatever you want to do. We're saying, hey, let's walk through it together. Jesus wants you to repent. And there's people here in this church that will love you through that and will walk you with you through that and help you repent of your sins. But you got to have a broken heart. You got to say, okay, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. I know I'm grieving you. You have to confess it. You have to say, I know this is wrong and I shouldn't be doing it. And at the end of the day, there, there comes a point you start walking the other way and going in a different direction. When I was praying this morning, I felt like the Lord told me, tell, don't forget to tell them there's restoration. There's restoration. That's his heart. His heart is not judgment. He does not want you standing before him on judgment day and, he, and him say, depart from me. I never knew you. His heart is he wants to restore you in the family. His heart is he loves you. Neither do I condemn you is what he wants to speak to you. Go in sin no more. And so I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward. These are people that if, if you want to make a confession with them, they will keep it between you and them and you and them only. But you don't even have to confess. You could just say, I need, I'm struggling with something and I need some prayer. But as we sing this song, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. And you're dismissed after this. At any point in time, when you feel ready, you can leave. But if you would stand to your feet this morning, I want you to have a genuine prayer. Prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit, Jesus, is there anything that I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing? And maybe it's out of ignorance. Maybe it's something that, that you didn't realize. Jesus, is there something grieving your heart that I shouldn't be doing? And go through that repentant process with him. Turn from your sins this morning because repentance is required.